0: From the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, CMV
1: endotheliitis and pterygium outcomes at the Asia Cornea Society meeting. So these are immunocompetent patients, so this is very different to the presentation that we see for CMV retinitis, and often they can get presentation in the anterior segment can either be what we call typical or atypical presentation.
0: First this. 2017 marks the launch of a new meeting, the iWorld Surgical Summit in Deer Valley, Utah. The beauty of Deer Valley is astounding. Gorgeous mountains, crisp air, wonderful food, and Deer Valley is justifiably famous for its fabulous skiing. And all of this is just the backdrop to the most convivial and practical meeting of the year. The iWorld Surgical Summit focuses on advances and techniques that you can apply to your practice immediately. Look for links to next year's Surgical Summit at surgicalsummit.iworld.org. And did I mention the skiing? I had the opportunity to interview a number of people advancing the forefront of ophthalmology during the Asia Cornea Society biennial meeting in Seoul, South Korea. Edited versions of these interviews are presented on the iWorld Replay website as brief videos. I'm going to present these interviews in their entirety over a number of podcasts, today we hear from Jadbar Barmeta on CMV endotheliitis and Alvin Young on pterygium techniques and outcomes i'm here with jad Meta. jad you were presented this this incredible case uh, it was just so complicated can can i get you to 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 sort of Describe what, what the steps were in, in the pathology and the management and, and all of these things. I'm
1: sure I'll have follow-up questions. Sure. Okay. Thanks, Josh. So it was quite an interesting uh, gentleman, a 70-year-old Chinese gentleman who initially uh, presented with what looked like Fuchs and a cataract. Um, so we did a standard ultra-thin DSEC and FACO. And eight months post-op, he developed an increase in inflammation in the anterior chamber. Uh, we did an AC tap, which turned out to be CMV um, on PCR diagnosis. So I started him on some uh, valcite, and as we know, CMV is quite cytop- cytopathic to the endothelium, so we waited face- basically for the CMV to clear, um, and it, it did do on a good dose of 900 milligrams of valcite for about three to six months, but unfortunately, his endothelial cell count dropped to about
0: 700. So, uh, sorry, John, let me, let me let me back up one, one step, because in the, in the U.S., uh, we don't, I certainly don't see um, CMV endotheliitis how what, what is the, the the presentation typically and these are these are immunocompetent patients yeah Yeah,
1: yeah, that's correct. So these are immunocompetent patients. So this is very different to the presentation that we see for CMV retinitis. And often they can get presentation in the anterior segment, can either be what we call typical or atypical presentation. Typical can be just a few fine KPs, mainly in a coin-shaped or in linear streaks. The atypical presentation can be associated with raising chocolate pressure, very similar to what we see in herpes simplex trapeculitis. Yeah, interesting, interesting. So, uh, carry on then. Let's pick up where where, we're So, his cell count dropped to about 700, and things were going quite well. His visual acuity was 612. So, about five months after that, unfortunately, he developed a chromobacter infection on the ocular surface. And that was recently reported by a group in Baskin-Palma that can be quite difficult to treat with standard fluoroquinolone treatment.
0: And how, how, is it, how is it typically treated, and how did you
1: manage it? And, and I, I, I'm, I, I know the story doesn't end here. Yeah, so, he, so we started him on amikacin as well, and uh, he responded quite well. Uh, his, his anterior uh, lamella did thin out, though, but I felt the, there was a bit of reassurance because he had a DSEC underneath the back of the anterior lamella. So even though he thinned to 30%, I thought, well, never mind. Uh, you, we got the DSEC to protect him from developing a perforation. Uh, unfortunately, going forward, what happened was is that his graft then decompensated. Because of probably the intense inflammation from that Acromobacter,
0: and, and so so at that point, uh, you you had the option of uh, doing a. a Penetrating keratoplasty?
1: Correct. But so, yeah. So, so we thought about doing a penetrating keratoplasty, but I thought, well, we must make sure that his CMV doesn't come back. And because we are worried about repeated graft inflammation in the PK, generally in these situations, what we try to do is try to just keep to an EK procedure. So either a DMEC or a DSEC. And so I wanted to wait for his CMV to clear on PCR, then to go back and do basically do a DSEC procedure. And then if the scarring was too bad, I was going to do a, a DOLC on top of his DSEC. Uh, but his uh, clinical uh, setting didn't, didn't stabilize, or it stabilized very briefly. Yeah. and then, So unfortunately, what happened about four months while I was waiting for his CMV to clear to be negative, uh, we normally wait about six months between uh, two PCR results. He suddenly appeared in clinic with pain in his eye. His vision went down to PL, and he had a frank perforation. But what really was serious was his RNR jumped to eight, and he had massive congestive cardiac failure with severe pulmonary edema and was very short of breath.
0: So at this point uh, uh, you you've uh, you've a patient who uh, has to be done under under local who's also coughing, yeah, so uh, uh, and with the CMV endotheliitis, not, not a prime candidate at this point for a, for a penetrating
1: keratoplasty. How did you manage this? So um, I, we, we first tried to stabilize him medically because of we wanted to obviously make sure that we, his life was of paramount importance here now. And eventually what I tried to do was I did a dog uh, on top of his sec in his perforated eye under local anesthetic.
0: And, and how, how was, I mean, it's hard to picture, except
1: of course I had the benefit of seeing the video. Yeah. Uh, hard, hard to picture how you, how you manage this. So so, so the way we we do this is we use a freehand technique. So we freehand mark the area of the dog tissue itself and then very carefully using normally a diamond knife all the way around to start the initial dissection. I slowly go down to the level of his DSEG by separating the tissue. In this situation, it was a little bit more difficult because the tissue was so necrotic. So finding that plane was actually quite difficult to do.
0: Plus, it's in the context of a, of, a, of a perforation. It's a perforation through the, the DSAT, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. And I, 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 I presume that because it was because of where the perforation, I thought that the perforation may be quite asymmetric in shape. So it'll basically be larger on the anterior surface, smaller on the interior side. So I thought if I put a little bit of a scholastic, I can slightly form some AC to make the dissection a little bit easier. And, and, and that, in fact, was the uh, case right so yeah carry on yeah please. so then after that we waited about one month i re-tapped him again and then we went back and i removed the sec and i changed it for a new sec afterwards
0: and, and how did how did that
1: all go so, so he's doing pretty well now he's eight months post-stop he's on steroids once a day and now he's getting about 612 vision in that eye so we were just removing selective t- uh, sutures from his dog
0: that's incredible that's incredible uh, 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 uh. Um, that that that's. I'm glad you managed it. <laughs> um, yeah. So what 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 are the? I mean, it, it's hard to ask what the lessons are that 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 you've learned that that can take you forward because this was such a. Concordance of uh, things, but I mean, are 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 there? Are do you change the way that you're approaching patients going forward based on on what you've learned, from this?
1: Uh, we do. Um, a lot of cases where we do suspect CMV, I do think it's better to do an EK procedure as primary choice because I think that your risk of rejection with these with the or uh, CMV activation on the steroid use is very very high. And I would advise anyone to be very have a high level of suspicion, especially if you see these cases of increased inflammation, because if you typically just increase the steroid dose in fact what you're doing is making the whole thing worse because you're going to will decompensate the graft and just bear in mind especially anybody of Asian uh, descent that could this be CMV do a tap and send it for basically PCR and I think then that will be the sort of key lesson to learn uh, for people to be a bit more aware and in fact we have a recent paper just published where I saw a case that had CMV activation after standard LASIK
0: oh it 's incredible i mean plus plus to to you know circle back to your to your to your point about steroid use typically as as cornea people when we see that there is um an inflammatory condition and the endothelium is in trouble. Our go-to is is steroid. Absolutely. But here it's not that the inflammatory process is, going, is causing the endothelial cell loss. It's the, the, the cytotoxic histopathology <laughs> of the Absolutely. CMV. Yeah. That's really, really something, John. Thank John, you. I want to thank you very much thank for you. bringing this uh, t- topic to us, for managing this patient, yeah. uh, and, for, and, of course, for being so very generous yeah. with your time thank with you. us today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Josh. I'm here with Alvin Young. Alvin, you gave a wonderful talk. Interesting subject. Um, pterygium uh, and different techniques and different outcomes. You were talking about rotational graphs, mitomycin, of course, uh, bulbar-concentival autografts. Um, can I get you to sort of break this
2: topic down? Then I'm sure I'm going to have some follow-up questions for you. Okay. In terms of long-term outcomes, um, basically a lot of... Uh, uh, adjuvants have been used to describe, um, to, to reduce recurrence rates. But um, I was interested in looking at the long-term outcomes and we've looked at mitomycin C um, conjunctival autographs and mitomycin C rotational autographs. Um, when two long-term studies that were published, we basically discovered that mitomycin C indeed would give you about um, 25% of chance of recurrence over time, but there were no associated side effects that had been previously reported. Um where's the conjunctival autographs give you the best outcomes? And then if you use but then you need to harvest normal conjunctiva. Right. And if you use mitomycin C and conjunctival rotational autograph, the results were actually as good as conjunctival graft, if not better. So
0: the 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 the, the questions always when we discuss pterygia and mitomycin C is uh, what what is the the technique that you would recommend? What are your what your findings suggest with primary cases as opposed to recurrent cases? Because you, I'm sure, as I do, manage those sorts of cases differently from each other.
2: Yeah, I think it it very much depends on the surgical experience of the surgeon and also the local practice. Um, In my center, actually, because um, by the time the cases come to me, they won't be primary cases. And as I think Um, For me, it would be a lot easier if less conjunctiva has been disturbed. So I would prefer if others could, I mean, ideally use the mitomycin C beforehand. And so that by the time they come to me, I still have some normal conjunctiva to work on. Um, um, What I use very much depends on what stage they come to me. But if it's a primary case, I probably would use MMC first. You might, Yeah, in my my own hands, it's 5% recurrence rates, really.
0: So MMC plus rotational
2: graft as opposed to um, I would consider MMC my uh, auto rotational graft if it's a recurrent case. If it's a primary case i would probably just straight off mitomycin C. Really? Yes. That's my that's our current practice. We've been doing that for about 20 years now.
0: So for for and, and the 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 reason is that that I mean the the reason that you're making this choice is that you're resor- you're reserving the autographed for for recurrent cases you wouldn't Uh, I mean, obviously... The rationale for using
2: mitomycin C is, you know, you don't have to disturb any conjunctiva in the first place. Right. Um, Secondly, in places, especially, I suppose, in Asia-Pacific region where cost may be an issue, fibrin glue is very expensive. If you put sutures in patients to suture grafts, patients usually complain about foreign body sensation and so on. Yeah. So mitomycin C, they actually feel a bit more comfortable. So it's quite popular. Oh, that's interesting. And then finally, of course, it's a time issue as well. If you don't have to dissect the graft, if you don't have to suture the grafts. So uh, that's there's, there's a few. Yeah, clusters. no, it's a much faster case. Yeah,
0: yeah. huh. Uh, that, that's um, so. Are 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 there are there patients? You know, someone comes in uh, with uh, to a regime that's that's aggressive, that's very very beefy, and a young patient. Where you uh, are, are? Are there cases in contexts like that where you might just start out from the start? with a with a conjunctival autograft, or is that just an, a no-go for the first case for you? It's not
2: a no-go. It's very much, uh, uh, at the end of my talk, I mean, I need to talk about the patient's informed choice as well. Right. They need to know the percentage of recurrence and the likelihood. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not a no-go, but um, as a primary and, and a run-of-the-mill type of pterygium I usually just It's not good procedure Yeah. Huh, very,
0: very interesting stuff. So yes. I thank you very much for you know, bringing this, this the topic to us and laying it out to, uh, in the way the, that you did. Um, I, I want to thank you very much uh, for, for bringing this up and, of course, for being so very generous with your time with us today. Thank you. John Bermetja is Associate Professor and Head of Cornea and External Disease and Senior Consultant in Refractive Surgery at the Singapore National Eye Center in Singapore. Alvin Young is Chief of Service in the Department of Ophthalmology and Visual Science at the Prince of Wales and Alice-Home Yu Ling Nethersol Hospitals at the Chinese University of Hong Kong in Hong Kong. Ask questions of Dr. Mehta, Dr. Young, or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Write to me with your questions or comments at josh at iWorld.org. As seen from here is a production of the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young.